Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. Aren't you glad our identity is not tied to the results of a football game? I, um, I, I really mean that. Um, it's, you know, it's fun to watch, fun to cheer, fun to do all that stuff. But um, God has done something amazing in us. And for that, we can be thankful no matter what the circumstances are in our lives. Um, usually when, when you hit Thanksgiving, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, like as soon as Thanksgiving Day is done, you're kind of off to the races into Christmas, right? It's like uh, at our house, the day after Thanksgiving, you put the tree up, you decorate everything, and it's Christmas full bore. This year, Thanksgiving is the earliest day possible in the calendar year. Uh, the fourth uh, Thursday this year was on the 22nd, so it can't get any sooner. So there's a longer time till Christmas, but uh, Christmas is coming. Uh, but I wanted to take time today to just spend some time focusing on Thanksgiving again. Before I get there, let me just ask, did some of you get postcards uh, in the mail yesterday? Uh, if not, um, if you're in the area around DeWitt, Langsburg, St. John's, uh, I think out even as far as Portland, um, these should come uh, going to about 15,000 homes. And they talk about the Christmas series that will start next week called Better Than. Uh, the whole concept is that um, whatever we think about Christmas, God has something better than that in mind. And uh, we can experience something better than what the rest of culture does at Christmas. Um, I, I, I just want to point out that the cards are coming so that you can be prompted to have a conversation with your, peop- with your friends at work, with your neighbors, whatever, and say, hey, did you get that card? That's my church. And that can launch a conversation that I know that you want to have about Christmas, about Jesus, about North Point, and uh, you can take advantage of that. Um, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is where we are. Let me, let me just kind of jump right headlong into the message and say this. No matter what's going on in your life, where you are today, no matter whether you're up or down, whether you're struggling, whether, you, whether you're just content, if you want your life to be different, be thankful. If you want your life to be different, be thankful. It's interesting to me that God in Scripture commands us to be grateful. He says, be thankful. Take out your Bibles, if you would, or the North Point app. The notes are there. You can fill in the blanks. You can take a Bible out of the front of the pew. Uh, Use the electronic version if you want. Turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I want to read a passage of Scripture, but we're going to really focus on one verse and kind of unpack that today. 2 Thessalonians chapter 5, it's... um, it's towards the back of your Bible, unless it's electronic, and then it's just a click. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know what language to do to say, except it's down towards the bottom of the list. First uh, Thessalonians, uh, actually it's Second Thessalonians, chapter 5. Sorry about that. Second Thessalonians, chapter 5. Oh, it's first. Thank you. Who wrote my notes? I don't know. First Thessalonians, chapter 5, beginning in verse 14. We urge you, brothers and sisters... Warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what's good for each other and for everyone. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 
Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Gratitude, Paul tells us, is something that God wants us to grow in our life. It's a choice that we need to make, something that he wants to put in us on a daily basis. So much so that when he finishes this letter to the Thessalonians, at the very end of the letter where he's saying the stuff that's going to stick in people's minds, he says, give thanks. This is the will of God. In everything, give thanks. Um, his letter to the Colossians, chapter 4, again, the end of the letter that he writes to this church that he loves, he says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. The letter that he writes to the church in Philippi, in Caesarea Philippi, uh, he says this, again, towards the end of the letter where he's trying to just reinforce the things that he has told them about what it looks like to live as a follower of Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Gratitude needs to be one of the hallmarks of people who follow Jesus. It's a command that's given to us. One commentator I read this week said, in the Old Testament, gratitude to God was the only condition in which life could be enjoyed. For the Jews, gratitude was the only condition in which life could be enjoyed. Every aspect of creation celebrated the, the lordship of God over all of life. The Hebrew people thank God for the magnificence of the universe. They thank God for his goodness and his great deeds. When bad news came, they thanked God and trusted that God was just and that he would, um, that he would live out justice. They thanked God for deliverance from enemies and from death. They thanked God for forgiveness of sin. They thanked God for answers to prayer. They thanked God for compassion toward the afflicted and the oppressed. They thanked God for executing justice. When's the last time that you thanked God that bad guys got locked up and put, in, and put away? They thanked God for justice. They thanked God for continuing guidance. Gratitude is a command for us who follow Jesus in Scripture, and it's also the will of God. Paul says in Thessalonians, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God's will. So the question is, what are you thankful for today? I'd encourage you to just start with God, to start with the big picture stuff about God, that we're thankful for Jesus we're thankful that our life doesn't have to be the same, that, that God sent Jesus to take our sin on himself, to, to give us a clean slate, to start us off fresh. We're thankful for God's character, for his consistency, for his nature, for his compassion and love, for his mercy. When we begin to think about who God is, gratitude just overflows in us. Thank God for the big stuff. Thank, thank God for, uh, be thankful for your family, for your job, for your home, for your health, for the medicine that you have, for the financial resources that God gives to us. And thank God for the little stuff, the, the, the things that we take for granted. 
When's the last time that you said thank you for hot water? For the ability to read? For electricity? For leaves that change color? For the smell of burning wood in the fireplace? For insulation in your roof and walls? For dandruff shampoo? That's not a biggie for me, but uh, for some of you, that matters. For friends that are faithful. Uh, In the fall of 2016, my wife, Deb, began to read a devotional book called 1,000 Gifts by Ann Voskamp. I don't know if you've seen this before. Uh, Let me just read out of her introduction just a, a few sentences. Ann Voss says, It all began quite spontaneously, unintentionally. One of those things God grows up in the most unexpected places. A friend dared me to start counting 1,000 things I loved. I took the dare, accepted the challenge, kept track of 1,000 things, 1,000 gifts, 1,000 graces on a quiet, unassuming blog. Before I knew it, thankfulness to God began to fully change me. What I actually found was more daily wonder and surprising beauty than I ever expected. When Deb began to work through that devotional book, she began to talk to me about what she was doing. And in, in the beginning of 2017, she launched the year with a, with a clean notebook and said, this year I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find 1,000 things that I'm thankful for. She began to make a list of those things in that, note, in that notebook, put in some down, a lot some days, a, a few some other days. She said, as we've talked about it, she said, you know, I, I, don't, I don't list the same things over and over again, but although there are some things that I am grateful for over and over again, a lot of times it's just a, a variation maybe of, of something that I've said in the past, but it has forced me to look around consistently at what God has provided And how grateful I am for so many things in life. Um, She said, you know, it's harder than you might think. Because you run through your list, the things that come to mind very quickly, and then, you know, you you stop and you're at 40 or 50 or 60 things. She said, but it changes the way that you look at the world around you to say, man, I'm grateful for that person, for that person. Um, that, that extension of grace that that person gave for that particular thing. She said, even sometimes when, I don't, when I'm not able to have my quiet time, I still write in my notebook because it takes me into the presence of God. Why do you think that God calls us to be thankful? Why do you think Paul reminds us so often to be grateful? It's because Gratitude doesn't change our circumstances, but it does change our perspective. It changes the way that we see the world around us. David Soper, a Methodist pastor in the 20th century, said, The difference between a prison and a monastery is simply the difference between griping and gratitude. Imprisoned criminals spend every waking moment griping. Self-imprisoned saints spend every waking moment offering thanks. When a criminal becomes a saint, a prison may become a monastery. When a saint stops being thankful, a monastery may become a prison. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear, be thankful, be thankful, be thankful, 
especially when my life is a mess, I think, no, wait a second. Am I supposed to be thankful for car wrecks or for cancer or for the loss of a job? Am I supposed to be thankful for being abused, for the death of a family member that I love? Am I supposed to be thankful for a loss of a job? I think the answer to that question is no. Because Paul says this, he says, in everything give thanks. Not for everything give thanks. There's a big difference. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. We live in a broken world. It's full of horrible things. Jesus said Satan came to, to kill and steal and destroy. He came to wreak havoc on this world. And God doesn't call us to be thankful for the destruction that Satan introduces into this world. But even in the carnage, we can find things to be courageously thankful for. In the Old Testament, there was a prophet named Habakkuk. Habakkuk said this in Habakkuk 3, Though the fig tree doesn't bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the field, fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. If you contextualize that and put that into our current culture, Habakkuk would say, even though there's no money in the bank, even though there's no food in the refrigerator, even though I don't have any prospects for a job, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Tony Evans, a preacher in Dallas, said this, even though I cannot praise God for my circumstances, I'm going to praise God that he is with me in my circumstances. Even though I can't praise him for my situation, I'm going to praise him that I'm not in my situation by myself. Even though there are storms raging all around me, I'm going to thank God that I'm not in this boat alone. I'm going to thank him because even though I don't see him fixing my stuff, I'm going to see him fixing me in the middle of my stuff. Anne Voskamp, in, in her book, wrote, Thankfulness to God began to fully change me. What I actually found was more daily wonder and surprising beauty than I ever expected. In a few short years, this daily hunt for God's grace, His glory, had ushered me into a life of fuller joy. Uh, what I found was that in giving thanks for each moment and savoring it as bread from his hand, I found sustenance and the grace of God himself in that moment. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. Paul wrote to the church in Rome and said, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Paul didn't say, Paul didn't say, we know that in some things. We, he didn't say, we know that in good things. He didn't say, in things that we like, they, those things work together for, for the good of those who love him. He said, in, in all things, God works for good. We can find things to be thankful no matter what our circumstance. There is always a reason to give thanks no matter how bleak, how desperate our situation is. Last week we celebrated communion. 
I don't know if you noticed this, but when we read the scripture about Jesus celebrating the Passover with his friends, the description that there says this, on the night Jesus was betrayed, he gave thanks. Think about that for a second. Jesus knew what was ahead of him in the next few hours, in the next 24 hours. He knew what would happen, and on the night he was betrayed, he gave thanks. No matter what our circumstances, we can give thanks. As a nation, we've been through incredible wars, but our history of celebrating Thanksgiving is tied, interestingly enough, to those wars. The first presidential proclamation of our nation was by President Washington, 1783, following the American Revolutionary War. And that proclamation was that there would be a day of national thanksgiving in November. In 1863, in the midst of the Civil War, when the Civil War was at its height and the country was losing soldier, son, brother, one right after another, President Lincoln declared a national holiday with a presidential proclamation for the nation to celebrate a time of thanksgiving. In 1941, Congress, for the first time, passed a law declaring that there would be a national day of thanksgiving while a war was waging in Europe and just a few weeks before Pearl Harbor was bombed. Even in the midst of the most turbulent times, we can find things to be thankful for, things to be grateful for as we look around. Matthew Henry, a Bible scholar from the 19th century that I still use often to, uh, in reading his commentary about Scripture, um, uh, when he was adult, he was robbed. All of his stuff was taken. And he wrote these words in his diary. Let me be thankful first because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my purse, they did not take my life. Third, that because although they took my all, it wasn't much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed. No matter what your circumstances, find something to be thankful for. A grateful heart can change your perspective, but it also can physically change what's going on inside of you. It can bring healing to your body. It's interesting to me that uh, several months ago I read about a study and then I, I did some more work to, to learn about two scientific studies that have been done that, that said the most effective treatment for PTSD, for post-traumatic stress disorder, is gratitude. It's not drugs. It's not prescription drugs. It's not hypnosis. It's not therapy, it's gratitude. That when people with PTSD begin to be grateful intentionally, consciously, day after day, week after week, month after month, the symptoms of their PTSD begin to go away. At North Point, here on every Thursday night, we host Celebrate Recovery. It's a ministry that we have for people who struggle with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Um, Celebrate Recovery is a 12-step group that, that helps deal with, with uh, compulsive behaviors, addictions, those hurts, habits, and hang-ups. In the 11th step of the 12 steps that they go through in CR, um, one of the things that at North Point that we've done is incorporate into the teaching on that 11th step 
the importance of gratitude to God, of taking inventory of your life and thanking God for the work that he's doing in your life. A grateful heart changes your perspective. But in order for that perspective to change, in order for, for us to fully, be, uh, to fully obey God's directive, our gratitude has got to be expressed. Our gratitude has got to be expressed. One of the most remarkable events in Jesus' life, I think, takes place in Luke 17. It, uh, the description there is of, of ten guys who have leprosy, this terrible disease that, that uh, deadens the nerve endings in your extremities, in your fingers, your toes, your nose, your ears. And as a result of that, uh, often those parts of your body have infection. They get eaten by bugs and animals, that kind of stuff. A really disgusting, terrible disease that we don't deal with now but was very prevalent um, in New Testament times. These ten lepers are living outside of society. They can't interact with anyone in society because the disease is so communicable. And, um, and so from a long distance, they see Jesus and they say, Jesus, help us. And Jesus responds and says, you know what? Go show yourself to the priest, which is what they would, would have to do if they were healed. And they leave, and somewhere between the time that Jesus says those words and the time that they get to the priest, all ten are healed. But only one of the ten comes back to talk to Jesus. And that one is a Samaritan. He's a, he's a person who is of a different race that the Jews didn't like. There was lots of tension between the Jews and Samaritans. And this Samaritan comes back and thanks Jesus, praises God for the healing that he's experienced. Um, Jesus' response to this one coming back, he says this, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Paul, when he writes to Timothy, um, a guy that he's trained for ministry, he says this. Mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with such people. Gratitude has got to be expressed. If it's not expressed, it dishonors the giver. As we talk about being grateful to God, it dishonors God to not be thankful to him. Have you ever given a gift, especially a gift that was costly to you? It might have been costly financially, it might have been something that you poured yourself into, a lot of time picking it out or maybe building or something like that. And you give that gift and the person who receives it just kind of says, okay, thanks, and sets it aside. That crushes, doesn't it? It hurts incredibly because it dishonors the giver. It doesn't matter if it's a wedding gift, if it's a birthday present, if it's a Christmas present. If it's a graduation gift, gratitude has got to be acknowledged or it dishonors the, the one who provides that gift. On the evening of September 6, 1860, a passenger steamer named the Lady Elgin was traveling from Chicago to Milwaukee. As the ship was traveling that night, a storm came up, a, a terrible storm, 
strong winds, small visibility, and around 2.30 in the morning, September 6th, 1860, uh, the Lady Elgin was rammed by a sailing vessel called the Augusta of Oswego. The front end of the Augusta punched into the side of the hull of the Lady Elgin and, and put a hole there, and the Lady Elgin began to sink. The captain ordered all of the cargo that was on the ship to be thrown overboard in the hopes that it would raise the ship above the hole that was there to get that hole above the waterline. But it it was to no avail. It it didn't work. In a matter of about 20 minutes, the Lady Elgin broke apart and began to sink. Only two lifeboats containing 18 passengers out of the the crew and the the passengers of, of more than 400 people were on those, only 18 made it to lifeboats and were released to shore. By daybreak the next morning, students from nearby Northwestern University and uh, Garrett Biblical Institute, which met on Northwestern's campus, had gathered on the shoreline to look at the wreckage and to look for survivors. One of the students was named Edward Spencer. He was studying to go into the ministry at Garrett Biblical Institute. He was a lifeguard, and he could see in the distance on the horizon a woman clinging to some wreckage far out in the breakers of Lake Michigan. He threw off his coat and swam through the heavy waves, succeeding in capturing her and getting her back to land uh, and to safety. In the next six hours, Edward Spencer swam back into the waves and rescued 17 people, fighting a riptide in the rocky shoreline. He tied a rope to his waist and would swim out to find people who were, who were desperate, uh, just clinging to life. And his friends would pull that rope back in to get them past the riptide and the rocks that were all along the shore. After the 17th rescue, Spencer's battered body collapsed unconscious in exhaustion. When he woke up in his room at the, at the, cottage, at the college, His brother was there, and Spencer asked, Did I do my full duty? Did I do my best? Over the coming weeks and months, he slowly recovered from the abuse his body had taken that night, that day. But he was never the same. Because of the events of that day, he became an invalid and was never able to enter ministry. He lived a humble life, quietly in California, where he died at age 81. Late in his life, at a class reunion, one of the speakers recalled the Lady Elgin disaster, where more than 300 people perished. And he recalled Spencer's act of heroism. Someone at that gathering called out that Edward Spencer was in the audience, and the speaker asked him to come forward. The speaker asked if there was anything in particular that he remembered about that day. Edward Spencer said, only this. Of the 17 people I saved, not one of them ever thanked me. Contrast that with the story of of Fred Hargesheimer. Hargesheimer was an American pilot in World War II that was shot down by the Japanese in 1943 over the Pacific Islands. He parachuted into an island jungle that the Japanese had conquered, and he survived on his own for 31 days. On the 31st day, a hunting party of local natives found him. They cared for him and nursed him back to health. 
They hid him from the Japanese for the next seven months. Early in 1944, the Naganai people helped smuggle him onto a U.S. submarine to safety. After the war ended, Hargesheimer returned to the U.S. He got married, he started a career, but he never forgot those people that had saved him. Sixteen years later, he made a trip to the island to say thank you. After that trip, he returned to the U.S., determined to make a difference in the lives of those people. He began to raise funds to help build a school on the island for the Naganai children. Three years later, he returned with $15,000, raised mostly in donations of $5 and $10, and did just that. He built a school. Over the next several decades, he raised money in the U.S. to build a medical clinic, a library, and another school for the Naganai people on the island of New Britain in the nation of Papua New Guinea. In 1970, with their three children raised, Hargesheimer and his wife moved to the island and they taught the children themselves for the next four years. In, 2000, in the year 2000, Hargesheimer, now 81, was named chief warrior by the Naganai. And in 2006, on his last visit to the island, he was carried in a chair by the tribal people to the newly discovered wreckage of his plane from 63 years earlier. In an interview with the American press, with uh, Associated Press, at the age of 89, Hargesheimer said, These people were responsible for saving my life. How could I ever repay that? Gratitude has to be expressed. Without expression to someone, it is simply an accountant taking inventory of his assets, the things that he has acquired. In reality, unexpressed gratitude is not gratitude at all. It's an expression of entitlement, of self-satisfaction, and of arrogance. If you want your life to turn around today, be thankful. Gratitude doesn't change your circumstances, but it does change your perspective. But that gratitude can't just be inwardly focused. It's got to be expressed somehow. So what? what? What do you do as a result of today's message? What action can you take? Let, let me challenge you with three simple things. The first thing is just simply to take inventory. Start to make a list. What are you thankful for? Who are you thankful for? And write it down. It, st start that list. It doesn't matter if you're shooting for a 1,000 or a 100 or whatever, but go until you run out of things that you're grateful for and then decide that you're going to double that amount, whatever that is. Uh, many of you know Bruce Umstead, who's a part of North Point, who usually sits right over in their second service. Um, Bruce, Bruce uh, since I moved here four and a half years ago, I've seen Bruce's posts on Facebook with the hashtag, Living Gratefully. Um, Bruce said, I, I asked him about it, and he said, uh, he said, I decided to live grateful and post it to Facebook, just expressing gratitude for some small things because God has been so good to us. Posting it to face, Facebook allowed me to express my faith without the heaviness associated with many public displays. Gratitude changes things. Make that list and write it down. Find a way that you can share that. Second thing, 
Express your gratitude to the people who have impacted and continue to impact your life. Think about the folks that have touched you, that have shaped your life. And then write a letter, write a card, make a phone call, send an email, take somebody out to lunch. Find a way this Christmas to incorporate Thanksgiving into your Christmas gifts. Let me, let me just challenge you. Maybe this year, let the, let the substance of that gift be something that connects to your gratitude for that person. Write it down. Express your gratitude to people. And most importantly, the third thing is this. Express your gratitude to God. Tell him how grateful you are for the work that he's doing in you. Tell him that you're grateful for who he is. Express that gratitude. Let it lead in your prayer time. Um, Make a determination this morning that as you pray in the coming days and weeks, that however much time that you spend in prayer for other things, request to God, that you'll match that same amount of time with thanksgiving to God for what he's done. Thank God for what he's doing in your life and let it show in the way you live. Let it be expressed in the way that you live each day. Hargesheimer said, these people were responsible for saving my life. How could I ever repay it? Jesus is responsible for saving us eternally. How can we ever repay it? We've got to express that. Psalm 100 says this, Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues to all generation. The band's been working on a new song, a song that's designed to finish this service and and help us articulate um, our gratitude in in a corporate kind of way. It's a new song. Let me encourage you to just sit down during the first uh, couple of verses while the words are up on screen. When the chorus uh, hits, you'll know it's the chorus, and then feel free to, to stand and sing along if you'd like, or to, or to just let the words kind of wash over you. Be grateful.